Act Three of The Old Debauchees by Henry Fielding. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One. Scene Isabel's Apartment. Young Laroon, Isabel. Perdition seize the villain! May all the torments of twenty inquisitions rack his soul! Act your part well, and we shall not want his own weapons against him. Sure it is impossible he can intend it. Shall I make the experiment? I shall never be able to forbear murdering him. You shall promise not to commit any violence. You know too well what would be the consequence of that. Let us sufficiently convict him and leave his punishment to the law. And I know too well what will be the consequence for that. There seems to be a combination between priests and lawyers. The lawyers are to save the priests from punishment for their rogueries in this world, and the priests, the lawyers in the next. However, the same law that screens him for having injured you will punish you for having done justice to him. Oh, heavens! The priest is at the door! What shall we do? Damn him! I'll stay here and confront him. Oh, no, by no means! For once I'll attack him in his own way, so the moment he opens the door do you run out and leave the rest to me. She throws herself into a chair and shrieks. Young Laroon overturns Martin. Scene two. Martin. Isabel. I am slain. I am overlaid. I am murdered. Oh, daughter, daughter, is this your patient expectation of the spirit? It has been here. It has been here. What has been here? Oh, the spirit, the spirit! It has been here this half hour, and just as you came in, it vanished away in a clap of thunder, and I thought would have taken the room with it. I thought it would have taken me with it, I am sure, spirit indeed. There are abundance of such spirits as these in Toulon. And pray, how have the spirit and you employed your time this half hour? Oh, don't ask me. It is impossible to tell you. Ay, tis needless, too, for I can give a shrewd guess. I suppose you like his company. Oh, so well, that I wish he would visit me ten times every day. Oh, oh. and in the same shape, too. Oh, I should like him in any shape, and I dare swear he'll come in any shape, too, for he is the purest, sweetest, most complacent spirit. I could almost have sworn it had been Mr. Laroon himself. Was there ever such a— Nay, when it came in first, it behaved just like Mr. Laroon, and called itself by his name. But when it found I did not answer a word, it took me by the hand and cried, Is it possible you can be angry with your Laroon? I answered not a word. Then it kissed me a hundred times. I said nothing still. It caught me in its arms and embraced me passionately. I still behaved as you commanded me, very passive. Oh, the devil, the devil! Was ever a man so caught, and did you never apprehend it to be Mr. Laroon himself? Heaven forbid I should have suffered Mr. Laroon in these familiarities, which you ordered me to allow the spirit. Aside. I am caught indeed, damned driveling idiot. But, dear father, tell me, shall I not see it again quickly? For I long to see it again. Oh, yes, yes. I long to see it in the dark, methinks. For you know, father... One sees spirits best in the dark. Aye, aye, you'll see it in the dark. I warrant you, but be sure and behave as you did before. And will he always behave as he did before, father? <laughs> be in your chamber this evening at eight. Take care there be no light in the room, and perhaps the spirit may pay you a second visit. 
I'll be sure to be punctual. And passive. I'll obey you in everything. Senseless oaf. But though I have lost the first fruits by her extreme folly, yet I am highly delighted with it, and if I do not make a notable use of it, I am no priest. Scene three. Chiodan Solas. Oh, purgatory, purgatory! What would I not give to escape thy flames? Methinks I feel them already. Hark! What noise is that? Nothing. Ha! Ah, what's that I see? Something with two heads. What can all this portend? What a poor miserable wretch am I! Enter servant. Sir, a friar below desires to speak with you. Why will you suffer a man of holy order to wait a moment at my door? Bring him in. Perhaps he is some messenger of comfort. But, oh, I rather feel the reverse. For what comfort can a sinner like me expect? Scene four. Old Laroon in a friar's habit. Jordan. A plague attend this house and all that are in it. Oh, oh. Art thou that miserable, sad, poor son of a whore, Jordan? Alas, alas. If thou art he, I have a message to thee from St. Francis. The saint gives his humble service to you, and bid me tell you, you are one of the saddest dogs that ever lived, for having disobeyed his orders, and attempted to put your daughter into a nunnery, for which he has given me positive orders to assure you, you shall lie in purgatory five hundred thousand years. Oh! And I assure you it is a very warm sort of a place, for I called there as I came along to take lodgings for you. Oh, heavens! Is it possible that you have seen the dreadful horrors of that place? Seen them? <laughs> Why, I have been there half a dozen times in a day. Why, how far do you take it to be to purgatory? Not above a mile and a half at furthest, and every step of the way downhill. Seen them? Aye. I, I have seen them, and a pretty sight they are too, a pretty tragical sort of a sight. If it were not for the confounded heat of the air, then there is the prettiest consort of music. Oh, heavens, music! Ay, ay, groans, groans, a fine consort of groans. You would think yourself at an opera, if it were not for the great heat of the air as I said before. Some spirits are shut up in ovens, some are chained to spits, some are scattered in frying-pans, and I have taken up a place for you on a gridiron. Oh, I am scorched, I am scorched! For pity's sake, father, intercede with St. Francis for me. Compassionate my case. There is but one way. Let me carry him the news of your daughter's marriage. That may perhaps appease him. Between you and I, St. Francis is a liquorish old dog, and loves to set people to work to his heart. She shall be married this instant. The saint must know it is none of my fault. Had I rightly understood his will, it had been long since performed, but well I might misinterpret him when even the church, when Father Martin failed. I would be very glad to know where I should find that same Father Martin. I have a small commission to him relating to a purgatory affair. St. Francis has sentenced him to lie in a frying-pan there just six hundred years, for his amour with your daughter. My daughter? Are you ignorant of it, then? 
Did not you know that he had debauched your daughter? Ignorant? Oh, heavens! No wonder she has refused the veil. I thought you had known it. I'll show you a sight worse than purgatory itself. You shall behold this disgrace to the church. A sight shall make you shudder. Is it possible a priest should be such a villain? Nothing's impossible to the church, you know. And may I hope St. Francis will be appeased. Hmm. There is a great favourite of that saint who lives in this town. His name is Monsieur Laroon. If you could get him to say half a dozen bead-rolls for you, they might be of great service. How? Can the saint so regard so loose a liver? Oh, St. Francis loves an honest merry fellow to his soul. And, harky, I don't think it impossible for Mr. Laroon to bring you acquainted with the saint, for to my knowledge they very often crack a bottle together. Can I believe it? Father Martin is below. Son, behave civilly to him, nor mention a word of what I have told you, that we may entrap him more securely. Scene 5. Martin. To them. Peace be with you, my son. Ha! A friar here. I like not this. I will have no partners in my plunder, save you, reverend father. To Coke. This fellow should be a Jesuit by his taciturnity. You see, father, the miserable state of our poor son. I have advised him thereon. Your advice is kind, though needless. He hath not wanted prayer, fasting, nor castigation, where our proper physic for him. Or suppose, father, he was to go to a ball. What think you of a ball? A ball? Aye. Or a wench, now. Suppose we were to procure him a wench. Oh, monstrous! Oh, impious! I only give my opinion. Thy opinion is damnable, and thou art some wolf in sheep's clothing. Thou art a scandal to thy order. I wish thou art not more a scandal to thine, brother, father. To abuse a poor old fellow in a fit of the spleen, here as thou dost, with a set of ridiculous notions of purgatory, and the devil knows what, when both you and I know there is no such thing. That I should not know thee before, don't you know this reverend father, son? Your worthy neighbour, Laroon? Then farewell, hypocrisy. I would not wear thy cloak another hour for any consideration. What do I see? Why, you see a very honest neighbour of yours, that has tried to deliver you out of the claws of a roguish priest, whom you may see too. Look in the glass, and you may see an old doting fool who is afraid of his own shadow. Be not concerned at this, son. Perhaps one hour's suffering from his fellow may strike off several years of purgatory. I have known such instances. Oh, father! Didst thou know what I have been guilty of believing against thee, from the mouth of this wicked man? Death and the devil, I'll stay no longer here, for if I do I shall cut this priest's throat, though the rack was before my face. Scene 6. Martin. Chaudin. Son, take care of believing anything against the church. It is as sinful to believe anything against the church as to disbelieve anything for it. You are to believe what the church tells you, and no more. I almost shudder when I think what I believed against you. I believed that you had seduced my daughter. Oh, horrible! And did you believe it? 
Think not you believed it. I order you to think you did not believe it, and it were now sinful to believe you did believe it. And can I think so? Certainly. I know what you believe better than you do yourself. However, that your mind may be cleansed from the least pollution of thought, go say over ten bead rolls immediately. Go and peace attend you. I am exceedingly comforted within. Scene 7. Martin, Solus. Go, while I retire and comfort your daughter. Was this a suspicion of Laroon's, or am I betrayed? I begin to fear. I'll act with caution, for I am not able to yet to discover whether this girl be of prodigious simplicity or cunning. How vain is policy when the little arts of a woman are superior to the wisdom of a conclave. A priest may cheat mankind, but a woman would cheat the devil. Scene 8. The Street. Old Laroon, Young Laroon, Meet. Well, sir, what success? Success? You rascal! If ever you offer to put me in a priest's skin again, I'll beat you out of your own. What's the matter, sir? Matter, sir? Why, I have been laughed at, have been abused. It's death, sir. I am in such a passion that I do not believe I shall come to myself again these twenty years. That rascal Martin discovered me in an instant, and turned me into a jest. Be comforted, sir. You may have yet the pleasure of turning him into one. Nothing less than turning him inside out, nothing less than broiling his gizzard will satisfy me. Come with me, and I dare swear I'll give you revenge content. We have laid a snare for him, which I think it is impossible he should escape. A snare for a priest? A trap for the devil. You will as soon catch the one as the other. I'm sure our bait is good. A fine woman is as good a bait for a priest trap as toasted cheese is for a mouse trap. Yes. But the rascal will nibble off twenty baits before you can take him. Leave that to us. I'll warrant our success. Wilt thou? Then I shall have more pleasure in taking this one priest than in all the other wild beasts I have ever taken. Scene 9. Jordan, Isabel. If I don't convince you he's a villain, renounce me for your daughter. Do not shut your ears against truth, and you shall want no other evidence. Oh, daughter, daughter! Some evil spirit is busy with you. The same spirit that visited me this morning is now in you. I wish the spirit that is in me would visit you. You would kick this rogue out of doors. The wicked reason of your anger is too plain. The priest won't let you have your fellow. The priest would have me for himself. Oh, wicked assertion! Oh! Base return for the care he has taken of your poor sinful father, for the love he has shown for your soul! He has shown more love for my body, believe me, sir. Nay, go but with me, and you shall believe your own eyes and ears. Against the church? Heaven forbid! Will you not believe your own senses, sir? Not when the church contradicts them. Alas! How do we know what we believe without the church? Why, I thought I saw Mr. Laroon and his son to-day when I saw neither. Alack-a-day, child! The church often contradicts our senses. But you owe these wicked thoughts to your education in England, that vile heretical country, where every man believes what religion he pleases, and most believe none. Well, sir, if you will not be convinced, you shall be the only person in Toulon that is not. I will go with thee, if it were only to see how far this wicked spirit will carry his imposition, for I am convinced the devil will leave no stone unturned to work my destruction. 
I hope you will find us too hard for him and his ambassador, too. Scene 10. Another apartment. Young Laroon in woman's clothes. None ever waited with more impatience for her lover than I for mine. It is a delightful assignation, but I hope it is a prelude to one more agreeable. I shall have difficulty to refrain from beating the rascal before he has discovered himself. <coughs> Who's there? Softly. Isabel. Isabel. Come in. What a soft voice the rogue caterwauls in. Scene 11. Young Laroon. Beatrice. What are you doing in the dark, my dear? Hey, day, who the devil is this? I seem to be in a way of an assignation in earnest. Isabel, where are you? Here, child. Give me your hand. Dear Mademoiselle Beatrice, is it you? Oh, heavens! Am I in a man's arms? Hush, hush! Don't you know my voice? I am Laroon. Mr. Laroon, what business can you have here? Ask me no questions. Get but into a corner of the room and be silent, and you will perhaps see a very diverting scene. Nay, do not be afraid, for I assure you it will be a very innocent one. Make haste, dear madame. You will do a very laudable action by being an additional evidence to the discovery of a notorious villain. I cannot guess your meaning, but would willingly assist on such an occasion. Now for my desiring lover. Ha, huh, I think I hear him. Scene 12. Young Laroon. Martin. Isabel. Isabel, where are you? Here. Come to my arms, my angel. I hope you are in no frightful shape. I am in the shape of that very good man, thy confessor. Honest Father Martin, let me embrace thee, my love, my charmer. Bless me, what do you mean? The words even of a spirit cannot tell you what I mean. Lead me to thy bed, there shalt thou know my meaning. There will we repeat those pleasures which this day I give thee in another shape. Tread softly, my dearest, sweetest. This night shall make thee mother to a pope. Laroon leads him out. Scene 13. Another apartment. Old Laroon, Jordan, Isabel, a priest, young Laroon, Martin, and Beatrice. Whither would you pull me? Villain, I'll shew thee whither. Ha! Down on thy knees, confess thyself the worst of villains, or I'll drive this dagger into thy heart. He needs not confess. Our ears are sufficient witnesses against him. Huzzah, huzzah, the priest is caught, the priest is caught. I am thunderstruck with amazement. How durst you attempt to debauch my son, you black rascal? I have a great mind to make an example of you for attempting to dishonour my family. You shall be made a severe example of for having dishonoured your order. I shall find another time to answer you. Hold, sir, hold. I have too much charity not to cleanse you as much as possible from your pollution. So, who's there? Enter servants. Here, take this worthy gentleman, and wash him a little in a horse-pond, then toss him dry in a blanket. We will wash him with a vengeance. I, I will wash him. You may repent this, Mr. Laroon. Seen the last. Old Laroon, young Laroon, Chaudan, priest. Isabel and Beatrice. Though he deserves the worst, yet consider his order, Mr. Laroon. Sir, he shall undergo the punishment, though I suffer the like afterwards. Well, Master Jordan, I hope you are now convinced that you may marry your daughter without going to purgatory for it. I hope you will pardon what is past, my good neighbour, and you, young gentleman, will, I hope, do the same. If my girl can make you any amends, 
I give you her for ever. Amends? Oh, she will make me large amends for twenty thousand times my sufferings. Tell me so hereafter, my dear lover. A woman may make a man amends for his sufferings before marriage, but can she make him amends for what he suffers after it? Oh, think not that could ever be my fate with you. Pox on your raptures. If you don't make her suffer before to-morrow morning, thou art no son of mine. And if she does not make you suffer within this twelve months, blood, she is no woman. Come, honest neighbour, I hope thou hast discovered thy own folly and the priest's roguery together, and thou wilt return and be one of us again. Mr. Laroon, if I have erred on one side, you have erred as widely on the other. Let me tell you, a reflection on the sins of your youth would not be unwholesome. Splud, sir, but it would. Reflection is the most unwholesome thing in the world. Besides, sir, I have no sins to reflect on but those of an honest fellow. If I have loved a whore at five-and-twenty, and a bottle at forty, why, I have done as much good as I could in my generation, and that, I hope, will make amends. Well, my dear Beatrice, and are you positively bent on a nunnery still? Hm. I suppose you will laugh at me if I should change my resolution. But I have seen so much of a priest to-day that I really believe I shall spend my life in the company of a layman. Why, that is bravely said, madam. Spud, I like you, and if I had not resolved for the sake of this rascal year never to marry again, Spud, I might take you into my arms, and I can tell you they are as warm as any young fellows in Europe. Come, Master Jordan, this night you and I will crack a bottle together, and to-morrow morning we will employ this honest gentleman here to tack our son and daughter together, and then I don't care if I never see a priest again, as long as I live. To young Laroon. Well, sir, you see, we have got the better of all difficulties at last. The fears of a lover are very unreasonable, when he is once assured of the sincerity of his mistress. For when a woman sets herself about it, nor priest nor devil can make her go without it. Finney. End of Act Three. End of The Old Debauchees by Henry Fielding.